Okay, everyone. You may know us as the bearded couple, but guess what? We still have to shave. That's right. We keep our beards looking good, so that means cleaning things up with a good old Italian shave, specifically with Parasso. Marco, you also have to shave your head. Oh, God. How could I forget? (laughs) I do. I shave my head uh, about three or four times a week, and when I do, I only use the Parasso nourishing line, which is the red line. Uh, It contains shea butter and is specially formulated for thicker, coarser beard hair to help nourish and exfoliate the skin. It's the only shaving cream I can use that uh, helps eliminate irritation and ingrown hairs. And as a bonus, you smell amazing. I know, right? The nourishing line is fragranced with sandalwood, so uh, you know it's good. But a fourth generation heritage brand knows what they're doing. So the nourishing line isn't Parasso's only formula. They have the go-to refreshing line, the sensitive line for fair or sensitive skin, and protective line, which is great for the colder months. So go to parasso-usa.com to find your perfect Parasso match. That's P-R-O-R-A-S-O-USA.com. As a bonus for our listeners, use code RELATIONSHIP20 to get 20% off your first order. That's parasso-usa.com and code RELATIONSHIP20. Check it out and let us know what you think. This is Relationship, a podcast presenting a gay look at traditional relationships and values. With your hosts, the Cratellis. I'm Marco. And I'm Tony. Hey there, Heidi Ho. Hey there, hi there, ho there. <laughs> You're as welcome as can be. Oakley doakley, neighbor. <laughs> Toodly do. <laughs> <laughs> How the hell are you? <laughs> I'm fine. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Happy Woo Woo Wednesday. Happy Woo Woo Wednesday. <laughs> hanging in there like a scrotum. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> wow. Wow. No, you didn't like that? No. No. I no, I, appreciate no, it. Nope. I guess I don't know my audience. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about dangly bits. <laughs> too touchy a subject for you ha 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 touchy <laughs> <laughs> what's going on besides all your perviness nothing but the rent <laughs> what does that even mean that's the only thing that's happening right now <laughs> wow speaking of we just recently got um and this is like boring, you guys. So like, be prepared. You can skip over this, for, you know, for the next fifteen seconds. But anyways, we just got our lease renewal in the mail, and so we had to make the decision to uh, continue to stay in our apartment in Long Island City in New York. And I feel good about it. You always say one more year, and then the next year it's one more year. <laughs> well, nothing like major has happened in the relationship, in my opinion, to like make us like have to move forward. So I feel fine about it. Yeah, for now. Yeah, we'll see what happens, right? Indeed. 
Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's it's wonderful. I like our apartment. I think we're good. Our apartment is a home, and it is lovely. It is super lovely. I like it. Mm-hmm. How are you? What about you? What's going on in your life? Nothing much. Just plugging along at life in general and having fun and feeling good, feeling natural. Ooh, are you surviving life? Are you doing well with it? I am more than surviving life. I think I'm kicking butt at it. Oh, is that what you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, I feel like I'm winning. Good. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to be it. That's fun. It has been a very interesting beginning to our year, huh? It has been. But we're good. We're good. I think we're surviving. We miss all of our friends and uh, hope we get to see everyone near and far very, very soon. Please. I think that is something that we're trying to make happen. Yeah, very much so. Um, I think this is a like a year of the Cretellis on tour. Yes. The year of small trips. Yeah. Because I think we want to be able to like be more involved with all of that good stuff. So. I know I would like to be. Yeah. That being said, what say you? We hop into our hashtag relationship goals for the week. Hippity hop away, my friend. Friend. Yeah, you're my friend. Mm. As a reminder, every week, Tony and I will pick a wonderful queer couple and highlight them as our hashtag relationship goals. Our hope is to bring these relationships to the forefront and give a sense of positivity and perspective to the gay relationship narrative. If you and your partner are interested in becoming our hashtag gay relationship goals, or if there is a queer relationship that you admire and would like to bring to our attention, please reach out to us. Tag us on some of your adorable couples photos on Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter. Our handle is at podrelationship. Tony and I will take a look at these photos and posts and could potentially highlight you and your partner on an episode of the podcast. So this week... We are highlighting makeout extraordinaires. <laughs> they do kiss a lot. Brad and Eric. Um, and they are literally at Brad and Eric on Instagram. That is B R A D A N D E R I C. Um, I love it. No, I'm being funny, but literally, if you look at their uh, Instagram page, they are literally kissing each other in every single picture. But we were fascinated by their relationship because they are a long distance relationship. Yes. That is working. Yeah. So Brad is at Brad SMT and he lives in Philadelphia. And then Eric's is at Eric working and he lives in LA. Yeah. And they apparently knew each other from LA, but Brad went away to school in Philly. And so they are, Yeah, they are, like, Brad comes back to L.A. all the time to, like, see Eric and things of that nature and vice versa. Well, or they meet in other places. Or they meet in other places, but they are literally making a long-distance relationship work, and I'm super fascinated by that and would love a little bit more insight on how they're able to make that work. Um, because, you know, I think historically we've all known long relationship, long-distance relationships to kind of be challenging to make work. Um, but it looks like these guys have it under control. Well, they've been doing it for four years at this point, so I think they got it. Yeah. they. I mean, Brad better come back and put a ring on that there finger. Because, <laughs> like, that just needs to happen. No, it's exciting. I, I love them. And in literally in most of their pictures, I would say 96% of them, hmm. they're kissing one another, which I think is good. I love that people are still like passionate about kissing one another like that. I think that that's cute, don't you? Yeah, they are adorable. I love it. And I love the fact that, like, nothing's going to keep them apart. Like, not distance, not, you know, just, it's it's wonderful. They look so 
happy. They do. They look like they really like one another and yeah. into it as well. Yeah. So there is a post. It's actually a video on November 30th of 2019. And allegedly, it's from like three, not allegedly, because it <laughs> literally happened. But it is from three years ago. Uh, it was the first time seeing each other in person after starting their long distance relationship. Um Apparently, Brad was coming home for Thanksgiving break from UPenn, and uh, it just so happened one of his close friends was on the plane as well and started recording it. So anyways, Brad goes to say, um, many are terrified of long distance relationships. Eric and I were actually planning on breaking up once we moved away for college. Instead, we decided to make it work and found that long distance was incredibly fulfilling and doable. Although some days it's hard to be so far away from each other, it's moments like these that make it all worth it. Um, and then they go on to, you know, ask you to tag and share this with your favorite long distance couples, which I don't really know any. So they would have to be mine. Um, <laughs> so we'll tag them. So we in will their tag own post. them in their own post. That would be wonderful. But I thought that this was like super duper sweet. And the video is just so wonderful. And again, I think that they just really love each other and they find a way to make it work. And that is what I think is most impressive. And they're definitely like, they're not letting distance stop them. Like they're going to all these great places and all these interesting places around the world and all these events and expos and art exhibits and just crazy stuff. And they still manage to share the holidays, even if it's not on the actual holiday, which I think just goes to show you the power of love. Yeah. They went to Coachella. They sure did. They went to Coachella. They had a fun time in Coachella, which I'm just in like all over uh i'm in all over anybody who's able to go to a music festival but that's just me um <laughs> but uh i think that it's like fantastic that they do that and i think that they are just so admirable and their relationship is just so lovely and yeah just precious they're so super cute to each other i like them and they're mm -hmm. adorable they're cute like they're cute too like mm -hmm. they're just adorable in mm -hmm. general i like them you guys are great you're doing it right yeah, and more power to you. Yeah, keep it up. We we need a lot more of this positive imagery in the world. Um, so if you want to follow their joint account, you can follow them on Instagram. They are at Brad and Eric, and that is at B R A D A N D E R I C, and that is on Instagram. And then if you want to follow their individual ones, why don't you share with them, Anthony, where they can follow them? Yes. So again, Brad is at Brad SMT and Eric is at Eric Working. And they're cute. Double tap their pictures. Oh, I should say Eric is E-R-I-C. Yes, you But you'll should. see it in the show notes. You should say. And they have a YouTube, apparently. So make sure you jump mm -hmm. on their YouTube and look at them and see what's going on in their lives. Um, I'm sure they're adorable there as well. They have all kinds of fun videos Again, more talking about their long-distance relationship. They have like 38,000 followers That's on crazy. there, which is just insane. Like, I didn't even know there was that many people in the world. But oh. no, I mean, of course, there's, there's a few billion people. more than yeah, that. <laughs> right. So it's good. Um, but like the videos and things of them are like their weekends, like going to Florida and going in the desert and you know I, I just like doing all kinds of things eric's 21st birthday just like all kinds of the, going to san francisco pride and just like having fun times together um and i think it's like so sweet and incredibly adorable so make sure you check them out you're gonna love them again they are brad and eric on youtube as well check them out you're gonna enjoy um double click their pictures and tell them double tap their pictures 
and tell them that the Cretelli sent you. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, Tony and I are going to try to solve the world's problems Cretelli style. Fingers crossed. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, listeners. It's your favorite podcast host, Tony. And Marco. And we are here with some exciting relationship news. The podcast is growing. I don't know if you guys knew this. And uh, every season, the search for ways to deliver more relationship content becomes a fun little goal for us. And every season, with you, our listeners in mind, we try to come up with other platforms that help give you access to all the amazingness that is the podcast. That is why we are so thrilled to finally announce the launch of our very own relationship podcast website. Yay! (laughs) Stop what you're doing and visit podrelationship.com right now and see what we've been up to. In addition to the weekly podcasts that you all love so very much, uh, Relationship on IGTV and YouTube, and our social media presence on Instagram, Facebook, and the Twitter, you can now catch us on podrelationship.com for even more relationship content. Read our new relationship blog with thoughts and updates on the topics we've discussed on the podcast and our own account of what we've learned and how we are applying it in our very own relationship. You can submit listener situations right there on the website, which is like revolutionary. You can air out your relationship dirty laundry on the page and press submit. All situations come directly to us and make everything so much easier for you. And finally, sign up for our newsletter and be in the know for all upcoming podcast episodes and all relationship content and events. Real talk, y'all. This website is a huge labor of love, um, but it's also a work in progress. If there is anything else you'd like to see on the website, please feel free to reach out. It is as much your website as it is ours. Again, thank you all for making the podcast what it is today and what it can be in the future. We appreciate your support and love for what we are doing and get so excited about sharing more of ourselves with all of you. So visit podrelationship.com when you have a second and check out our Relationship Podcast website. We will see you all very soon. Bye. Blame, blame, blame. Blame, blame, blame. Blame, blame, blame. I blame you, fool. (laughs) That was clever. (laughs) It's good, right? (laughs) So today we're talking about a very interesting topic. That is blame. I don't know if you guys gathered that by my little song. It was not obvious at all. No? <laughs> well, allow me to uncover it for you bitches. Um, yeah, no, so we're talking about blame. And I feel like uh, this is another one of those really revolutionary, not revolutionary, eye-opening topics. Revelatory. Right? Revelatory. Mm. Um, I feel like this is a very eye-opening topic, right? Because I think that, especially I, as, as I was reading this article that we're going to talk about in a little bit, I feel like I recognize some things that we 
do in not a very positive way all the time. Yeah, well, she talks about an infinite loop, and I think that's the one that we're always referencing we are stuck in. Yeah, 100%. So mm-hmm. do you feel like you blame me for a lot of things that is going on with you? I feel like we both blame each other. And I feel like, you know, she makes a really good statement. And we'll get we'll get to it. But she makes a really good statement, which is, you know, the blaming just sort of removes all your power and control. And reading that, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm in control, ho. Um, no, just that I'm not going to relinquish my control and feel like there's nothing I can do about something. Sure. Um, uh, interesting. Yeah. I feel like I have, I, I, I think in the beginning, uh, you know, uh, baby Marco in the entire situation would blame you for things and, and leave you to be responsible for the way that, Things are going for me. I think that I'm past that now. Like, I don't necessarily blame you for things, but I do know where you are responsible for things and how I've uh, changed the way I think based off of it. Mm. If that makes any sense. I think back in the day, I used to blame you a lot more than I do now. Um, But I think now I'm kind of like, nah, like... Yes, I understand why X, Y, and Z is happening, but instead of being mad about it or being hurt by it or uh, allowing it to dictate my ability to do X, Y, or Z, um, I'm not going to do it anymore. Mm. And so I, I, I kind of have changed. I've gotten past that. I think I have. It's a work in progress. It's Aren't always we all? a work in progress, right? <laughs> because you are a lot of work. So that being said, um, we read this amazing article on mentalhelp.net. Um, and this article, um, I don't know when it was written, but I do know that it was written by Pat LeDucier. Le Is that how you say her name? I don't know. I've never met her. and it's safe to say you never will um pat leducer 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 um dr pat dr pat um dr pat wrote this uh really cool article and it says uh, it's whose fault is it how blame sabotages relationships um i loved the beginning quote from oscar wilde that said, uh, it's not whether you win or lose, it's how you place the blame. It was a clever old queer, that Oscar. That Oscar. <laughs> she wild. Uh, oh, Lord. Um, <laughs> Oscar's gone wild. <laughs> time of death? Uh, right now. <laughs> yeah. Whatever time you all are listening to this. Um, so... Uh, Dr. Pat says, when I first see couples for counseling, they feel stuck. I hear things like, he doesn't do his share, or she blows up over nothing. He's not even trying. What are these voices you're doing She right doesn't now? care. <laughs> <laughs> what are these voices you're doing It's my doing best right impression at straight relationships. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Needs work. Go on. I feel like that's what they sound like, no? I think I think your strong, tough voice is a little stereotypical. That is that not what the manly men sound like? <laughs> the men that love women. No, okay. Moving on. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't feel good to be blamed, and most people fight back. 
You don't know how much I do. I blow up because you provoke me. I work harder than you do. I do too care. The conversation goes around and around and both people feel frustrated. When we have children, I'll be reading the books. (laughs) I didn't know you could read. Oh, you're a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're a bitch. Blame makes us feel like we're alone, like somehow we can't measure up. Blame is so hard on relationships that marriage researcher Dr. John Gottman describes it as one of his four horsemen of the apocalypse. The four behaviors that cause the most trouble in relationships. I see it in my office all the time. Each person sees the problems the other person's doing. Uh, as the other person's doing. As the other person's doing. That's what I said. Um, oh, yeah. I, mm-hmm. uh, it's not always easy to get people to see that blame is most often part of an infinite loop they get stuck in. And that antidote is really curiosity, connection, and feeling. Um, so this article um, goes on to talk about the... Uh, different topics related to blaming. So the first one is the real problem with blame. And if you would give me your thoughts related to that paragraph. Well, really, really quickly, I just want to point out again that she says the way to fix this is to be curious, to work on connection, and to identify your feelings. And I think those are important skills to sort of just bring to the to the forefront. So then she goes on to say, right, so the, the problem with blame, right, is what I was saying earlier, right? I can't change until you do, right? It, it Ooh, yeah. that's a statement. Yeah. So that puts the solution in your partner's hands. It separates you from your values, beliefs, and commitment. If the problem belongs to someone else, then you have a reason to dig in your heels. You miss an opportunity to grow, to stretch, or to change your to challenge yourself. Um, so, <clears throat> by sharing your fear or disappointment or sadness in a heartfelt way, is the way to really be honest. It's the feeling part of the solution, right? So. Continuing with the problem of blame is that it holds back the real change. It feels global and ongoing. If you see your partner as unconcerned, you don't notice the small moments of caring they do offer. If you see them as indifferent, you don't see small gestures of affection and respect. If you see them as lazy, you don't see their efforts, however sporadic, to do the task well. And if you don't see the caring, the respect, and the efforts, you can't acknowledge them. And without acknowledgement, your partner begins to fade. And I think this is just such a great connection of like step one leads to step two leads to step three. It's so insane. And it's so funny because as I was reading this article, like this sounds like an argument that arguments that you and I have had, right? Because, you know, if things are not done in X kind of way, you don't acknowledge that they've been done in Y kind of way. So then we are at Z because of the fact that, uh, I'm feeling as though you're not recognizing me. You're blaming me for not doing it the way that you need it to be done. So now we're like stuck in this like position that like neither one of us feels heard. Neither one of us is able to like move past this because none of this is exactly the way that we wanted it to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And those things become like super duper difficult. And you want to make sure that you are not stuck in that rut. Yes. So then she goes on to say, why we blame? 
Um, it seems, she says, it seems to be a part of how we think. So in social psychology, there's a phenomenon called fundamental attribution error. And what that means is that um, when we see someone behaving in a way we don't like, we attribute their behavior to bad will rather than bad circumstances. So for example, um, if someone's late for dinner, it's they don't care rather than traffic must have been awful. Sure. If you come home and the place is a mess, it's, oh, they, um, they're not even trying rather than the kids must have kept them busy today, right? And so that is, that is a human error, right? Um, and she goes on to talk about how uh, there's a couple she worked with named Joan and Andrew. And Andrew Joan. was... Yep. I love the name Joan. And Andrew was depressed and spent a lot of time watching TV. Joan was afraid they were drifting apart and was working hard to reconnect, but she got angry when she felt ignored. I can't believe how hard it is to get his attention. He must not care. Andrew actually cared very much, and TV was how he stayed calm. When he heard Joan raised, Joan's raised voice, he felt bad. He got emotionally flooded and watched more TV. I can't talk to her when she's mad, but then she gets mad when I wait for things to calm down. Nothing I do is right. And again, sounds like us. <laughs> sounds just like us. There is no, you're blaming each other and there is no right way. And you both feel like you're spinning your wheels and getting no traction. It's really funny because like I listened to this example and I don't know that I necessarily found us in the example. I didn't find us in the example. I think that our situation tends to be a teeny bit different. I'm more than willing to talk about it offline, but like... I don't know that the, I think, for example, because I can think about us, um, I think about your video game playing, for example, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know that I've ever blamed you for playing your video games. Like, I don't know that I've ever come up and been mad at you because you've been playing your video games. What's been concerning to me is the frequency in which you're playing your video game. So I don't blame you or think that you're not doing anything really. Like I can come home and dinner can't, like dinner's not being cooked and you're playing your video games. And I'm like, okay, so like, what are we going to do for dinner? Like, I don't care about the fact that you didn't cook. Like it doesn't frustrate me or anger me. I'm not blaming you. I'm not mad at any of those things. I just need to figure out what's going on. I think that what happens is, uh, for me specifically, that the uh, frequency in which you play you play your video games and not doing anything else is where I end up getting frustrated. But I didn't see that situation in us personally. Okay. Yeah, I didn't see that because, like, I think that, like, you, um, no one, I, I don't. F- feel like either one of us have tried to prevent one another from doing the things that interest us or i know that you play your video games as a as as a form of decompression like i i i know and understand those things it sounds like joan was not recognizing what andrew needed in that moment does that make sense yeah i'm yeah okay yeah i don't know you sound confused. I, I'm not confused. I just I think that I think this is a good example. I just think you replace video games with TV, and it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So you will um, you have never you can't identify with the statement. I can't believe how hard it is to get his attention. You can't identify with that statement with me. No. 
So I can't believe that he's choosing to play his video games instead of talking to me is not something that you can relate to. No, that's not something I've said. Right. But that's not something you can relate to. No. Okay. No, those are not. So that's what I'm saying. These are not my problems. These are not something that I, I identify with. This is not something that I like super relate with. I understand what's going on. I think that where my argument comes in is in the excessive playing that is concerning for me because I'm like, okay, all you're doing is this and you're not making room for anything else. And that's where my problem comes in. But like, I've given you so many, I've tried to help you out. I said, like, I get it. Like, if you come home from work, you usually have like a solid hour and a half to two hours before I even get home. Like, if you want to like sit down and play your video games during that time period, so you can decompress, I don't care if you don't have dinner prepared by the time I get home. Like, we can cook it together if you feel like that would be more beneficial or helpful to your mental state. Um, those things make sense to me. But what I have an issue with is when um, I do need you for other things, like I'm sitting down on the couch and I'm doing the podcast stuff and you're playing your video games, I don't have your attention there because all you want to do is play your video games after you've already had the two hours worth of video game playing to begin with. Like that's where it's different. Like that I don't relate with, but I do... uh, and because I, I, I think ours is a little bit more extensive than that particular problem. I look, I might be a little drunk and a little bit uh, full of myself at this point, but I think that I do a very good job of excusing you um, or or understanding where it is that you're coming from and not getting what I want out of the situation because I'm giving you the opportunity to like follow through and or understand where it is like where you're coming from i do think that i do a pretty decent probably not a perfect job of it but i have said that to to you before like if you feel like you need to just like play your video games and decompress like i get it like especially when you were working at like the mental hospital i understood that like you needed to like come home and like wash away the day Mm. like there were some like hard things that were you were experiencing on a day-to-day basis so i said as long as you come home and take out the dog have a little bit of walk and those things like are are, are good like i'm completely fine don't have dinner prepared for us completely fine because i understand that you need to sit down and you need some time behind that so like i get that part of it what is challenging for me is like when i give you those moments And then you still, you take advantage of that. And then you take advantage of even more. It's like, I give you that inch and you take a mile from it because you're like, okay, well, not only is it okay for me to like play video games in that moment, but I'm going to go above and beyond and play it in those other times because that was, I didn't get enough in that moment. That's when I have a problem with it because I'm like, well, damn, like, like I was trying to be understanding and now you're like shitting on me or taking advantage of my ability to like be understanding. And I don't like that. So I think that the things that she suggested for these people to do could definitely apply here. So she says that how to stay out of blame is to get curious about how you're caught in it. Right. So because 
to continue this example, so because Joan was curious, she got a better sense of Andrew's depression and became more patient. And as Andrew started to realize how much he mattered to Joan, they talked more and found more comfort in each other. Mm-hmm. So it's a way to break this cycle. Um, and so, can I ask a really quick question mm-hmm. based off of that? So, do you recognize that I have allowed you those opportunities and the ability to like be understanding in the things that you may need or or want? Yes. Okay. So I just want to make sure that like my my efforts ha- are are going noticed because like I said that's why I can't necessarily relate to the situation because it's not like I've been like nagging just for the sake of nagging. Like, I think that, like, when I ask you those things or I tell you to stop playing video games or a little bit, it's because, like, I've given you opportunities. I've asked things of you. I've told you, like, let's get a a meal service, like, so that we're able to, like, cook together and experience these things together. Because I just, I want you to be able to decompress and have what you need so that you are able to devote attention to us. Um and, and be able to do it in, in a meaningful way. And I don't know that that's been fully taken advantage of. Okay. So, couple of um, challenging questions or, or techniques that she proposes, right? So, the first one is to own some part of the problem, even if it's just very small. Um, so... Uh, you know, if he doesn't do his share, if that's the question, can you acknowledge how bringing it up every day contributes to him digging his feet in, right? Hmm. If she blows... That's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. If she blows up over nothing, can you see how a small comment you made helped set off the spark, right? So the um, the alternative side of me wonders, for example, um, like the concept of digging your feet in like is that not a tantrum you know i i think the important thing here is that it's about breaking a negative cycle of blame so regardless of what we feel about how a person reacts or whatever i think the the whole point of this is you're not putting it in the other person's hands anymore you're taking your own responsibility and power back so could you argue it's a tantrum sure but do we all do it yeah we do and mm. does it matter in this exercise, it doesn't. In this exercise, it's about just owning a little piece of it. Like, is nagging really the most constructive thing? No, it's not. Well, okay, so that's a very good question. But I also have to wonder to what, like, at what point does it become nagging, right? Because if I, if I ask you to do something and then it's not done, and then I remind you of it a second time and then it's still not done, and then I talk to you about it again a third time and it's still not done. At what point does it actually become nagging? Because you not doing it is actually the root of the problem. Because if I asked you the first time, maybe even the second time, let's just say the second time where I reminded you the second time, like, why am I considered the nag for having to remind you to do something multiple times or having you participate in something multiple times um, because you chose not to do it or not to give it any uh, credibility or like chose to make it important to you. Like at what point does it become nagging? Well, and here again, I think the whole point of this 
exercise is not to be doing that. It's to be doing these small things like taking your own piece of the responsibility. Like instead of like blaming the other person for making you a nag, it's look at whether that's actually beneficial and supportive. Even even if even if you're still right, is there just a little piece where you can take some responsibility for what that's doing to contribute to an endless cycle about this concept of being right versus being wrong. No, I, and, and I'm here for that. I guess for me, I'm also wondering at what point in time the other person, the person being nagged, is supposed to take responsibility for the other person, quote unquote, being a nag. Well, I think that's what they're saying is that yeah. you're both supposed to do that. So you are supposed to ask yourself, do you see how bringing it up all the time contributes to the person digging in their feet? And at the same time, do you see how your inactivity caused the person to continue to nag you like it's it's supposed to be both i hate that word nag i hate the concept (laughs) of nagging i really do i hate the concept of nagging because i think that nagging was brought up in a con like for a person we can this is a whole other episode but like i think that like reminding you of something or like talking to you about something or because like something was undone I, i i'm sorry i just like have a really um uh specific this is a button reaction for you. it is yeah. a button for me yeah. because i feel like you know like i ask you to do something you don't do it and then i bring it up again and then you still don't do it so then me bringing it up a third time like does that count as being a nag like i like, mean i guess my question would be what else can you do besides bringing it up the third time if i don't bring it up at all and end up having to do it myself then that is like then I'm going to then resent you for not being able to, for not doing something that I asked you to do. But so that's one thing you could do is you could just do it yourself. What's another? I, who knows? Letting it go? No, but if it's something that has to be brought up, like for example, like let's just bring up a, a, a relationship example. Our dryer was broken. Mm-hmm. Right? And I asked you to send an email to our landlord because we have relinquished our responsibility to you in terms of communication with our landlord, right? That is, that is just a whole thing. I asked you to do it. Then the next day when I was doing laundry and it was brought to my attention again that the dryer was broken, I asked you if you had sent the email and you told me no, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I just asked it and Honestly, I asked it and then just like, let it be a whole thing. Let's, and you ended up emailing the landlord after that, which was fantastic. Immediately after that. Yeah, which was fantastic. It was good, right? So not even, uh, not even an argument. So it was good. But let's just say you didn't. Right. Okay. And I ended up bringing it up a third time, right? Now I'm furious because you, a grown man, I had to ask three different times to address this one issue. And that is a huge problem for me. So I could email the landlord myself, but now I'm going to be resentful and annoyed because something that I asked you to do, something that we agreed upon in terms of like levels of communication, because you and I have talked about you talking to the landlord as a normal situation and and kind of like what happens regularly. Now I'm mad because I had to take it upon myself to do those those things, and, and that's a problem. So I could either resent you or I could drop it, but then the dryer never gets fixed, <laughs> and that could become a problem, right? 
Or I could ask you about it again, which then you feel like I'm nagging you about it. And I feel like I'm just bringing it up all over again. And I don't understand why I had to ask you three times now to do it. So I think this goes back to the fundamental attribution error. You get, I forget what word you used, um, but angry, essentially. You get angry. Mm -hmm. uh, You get resentful um, because you had to do this. But why is it that your first reaction was, he's just not doing it, he just doesn't care, as opposed to, and this is her advice, as opposed to saying, so what is he doing that's like getting in the way of him doing this? So I don't know if you remember, but I hadn't emailed them in that morning because I was making us breakfast and I was going to email them after. And I had honestly forgotten, right? But why is it that your brain goes there? Why is it that it's this this will piece as opposed to this circumstance piece? Sure. And if... And again, like the blame cycle... It, to go back earlier in the article, it talks about how it blinds you from seeing effort, no matter how sporadic. So think about every time there's been an issue where the landlord needed to be contacted. Would you say that the majority of the time this person's track record was more timely? And, and it's just, sure. that's just the question. So, like, And that's fine. And that's fair. And you're absolutely right. And I think under normal circumstances, I would take into consideration the fact that you were grocery shopping, you were cooking, and those things were good. However, when I walk into the kitchen and I see your phone is open because you're playing your game, those things end up becoming really challenging for me because I'm like, wait a minute, I asked you to do this. You couldn't take the 30 seconds it was necessary to send this email, but you're caught up on your game. So those things become a little bit of an issue for me and I can understand certain circumstances but then when you put those other factors into it it becomes a little bit challenging that's why i say like i'm not a person that overreacts behind things i do try to take everything into consideration before i create the reaction that you're going to then receive but like in that circumstance for for example i didn't for again i didn't let you dictate my mood behind the situation I just let it be what it was. But I very well could have been very annoyed by it because, again, yes, you were cooking breakfast, but you also had your phone open and you were playing your video game. And that becomes the problem because you chose to do that instead of keeping the peace. Well, and I think, again, there is the part where you can take some of your own responsibility, right? Where I could take some of my own responsibility. So, um, all right, the last two um, techniques, right? Uh, One, uh, number two is an apology can be incredibly effective and disarming. And I like the way this sentence is set up. If that's how you see it, I can understand why you would be upset. I'm sorry it happened that way. I like that. Um, there's more room for feelings. I always say that you would be, and I've shared this with you, I think I even did it on the air. You would be surprised at how amazing an apology and acknowledgement of the other person's feelings could change the whole trajectory of the issue. And if, if a person was like, oh my God, didn't even realize that I was doing that. I am so sorry. Like, what can you say after that? Yeah, it's incredibly effective. And then the last one is ask yourself challenging questions. 
Um, so if you say, my partner doesn't care, try to investigate the possibility that maybe they do care. Just maybe. Just maybe. Um, so she says, uh, here's some additional challenging questions for the next time you feel stuck. What action can I take that doesn't depend on what my partner says or does? My favorite. Can I talk about my own experience without blaming my partner? Can I get curious about my partner's experience even when I don't agree? That's a tough one for me. Hmm. Can I let go of the need to be right? Hmm. That might be a little bit. I See, okay. I don't. So the last one was probably challenging for me. It's not necessarily that I need to be right, but I'm really passionate about uh, you understanding my experience. I agree. I also think that you do have the need to be right as a person. I don't think just in this relationship. I think just part of your growing up, your makeup, your personality, like I feel like you have no problem challenging people who challenge you. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with, and we can get into a whole nother episode about this. We're almost finished with the segment, but like, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I don't necessarily agree in a one size fits all scenario. Mm-hmm. And I think all my life people have been able to like have said to me that this is the thing. And I've been like, yeah, but I don't feel that way. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't necessarily feel that way. And that like, doesn't necessarily like work for me or it doesn't resonate for me and so i need you to understand that like while you believe that and while this works for you that this works for me or this is what i believe and both of those can exist in the same space sure and so for me it's not about being right it's about being right for me it's not about being right in the situation so like i get that like you may not necessarily uh, agree with where I'm at, but I at least need you to understand or hear where I'm at with it all. And I don't know, and and we've talked about this on the podcast before about being misunderstood or not necessarily super heard about the situation. And I think that that's a lot of where uh, my um, problems come in is that I don't feel heard or respected or understood or that what's right for you may not necessarily be right for me. So it's not that I don't necessarily need to be right. I don't need to be right. I don't necessarily believe in right. I believe in my experience. I believe in your experience. And then I believe in the experience that we agree to create together. And I don't know that we always have the luxury the ability to explore that together because there's a very um uh my way or the highway mentality that exists at various points in time in this relationship and it becomes very uh challenging to be heard and or respected and i think that's when we need to start using these techniques to break the infinite loop of blame. Absolutely. So we are going to take a short break, but we are going to be back. Let us know what you think about this, because I think this was... uh, It's a good one. It was a very fascinating article. And I think it brings up a lot of topics and things to be discussed. I can't wait to talk about this with you offline. Mm. Um, But And hopefully, I mean, this answers a few questions, but um, uh, I like it. And I would love to hear what our listeners uh, gathered from it as well.
We're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a bit. Hello, devoted listeners. It is your favorite podcast hosts, the Cretellis, Marco and Tony. Y'all, we have been through it together. Might I remind you of the series of podcast episodes from the first season that sounded like the volume was turned all the way down? Or how about the episodes from season two that didn't even air because we lost the content or had technical difficulties? I've blocked it, but thanks for bringing it up. You're so welcome. I appreciate you. The point is, we've been through a lot together, and every day we learn something new about ourselves and the podcast, which really makes it so much more than just a podcast we are creating. It's a community. We are officially at the point where we need your help, community. For the podcast to continue to grow the way it has been, we'll need to enlist some assistance from our devoted relation shitters. (laughs) Oh, that sounded so much better in my head. It was really painful to hear. Um, You can now find us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash podrelationship and become a relationship patron by giving monthly donations to the podcast for exclusive content and recognition from us. Donate $5, 10 or $25 monthly and get exclusive content only for our patrons. Content includes personalized thank you notes mailed to you from us to shout-outs on the podcast, to behind-the-scenes interviews and games with our guests. Each tier has something more special than the last, and with your generous donation, relationship will be the best it's ever been. So go to patreon.com slash podrelationship today and donate. And when you're done donating, get your friends to donate. And when they've donated, ask your family to donate. The more help, the more appreciated. You are absolutely shameless. <laughs> Again, that money. Mm-hmm, dollar, dollar bill. Again, we thank you all for trusting us to deliver this queer message every single week. We are proud of the work we've done so far and know that with your help, we can accomplish even more. Again, that's patreon.com slash pod relationship to become a relationship patron and our favorite person. <laughs> Check out the different tiers and gifts available and figure out which one works for you. Bye. We are so excited today to uh, be sitting at the table with (laughs) (laughs) Kyle Barton. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today, Kyle. Thank you for having me. Kyle um, was amazing. He followed us on Instagram and then we followed him back. And then he DM'd and was like, I love what you guys are doing. And if ever there's an opportunity to be on the podcast, then like, holla at your boy. <laughs> and I was like, we would love to have you here. And it like happened super quickly. And thank you. Thank you for being so available and, and able to come in and sit down with us. Of course, you guys have been very welcoming. I'm very happy to be here. I'm excited. It's a good time. Thank you so much. We have been laughing for like the past, <laughs> what, 40 minutes before we've been getting mm-hmm. on here, which yeah. is fun. Kyle, you're so fascinating and hysterical, so I think this is going to be a hoot of an interview. <laughs> well, let's hope so. <laughs> that is so fun. So why don't you begin by telling us a little bit about your origin story? Where are you from? Who are you? Like, what's going on? Um, I am a true Midwestern mutt. Uh, you know, lots of different nationalities behind me. Grew up in Wisconsin. Um 
parents met in college and have been together ever since, and they raised two hopefully amazing children. Uh, I love my sister, and we grew up in a very loving, accepting family. Uh, it was still kind of terrifying to come out because I wasn't sure if my father would fully accept who I was. Sure. So I came out to mom first and told her she's allowed to tell dad I'm just not ready. Didn't go as planned. She brought him down to my room that same night. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, it was a it was a hard situation and there were some rough weeks there with my family. Uh, but now they love me for who I am. They have welcomed any man I brought home as if he was family himself. Sounds uh, like you've brought home quite a few men. <laughs> I, I, I have. And especially in my... Er- low key shady. <laughs> that was high key shady. <laughs> but it was, you know, when I was younger, I was experimenting. I was figuring things out. And I was with a new man every five weeks when I was in my early 20s. And since moving to New York in 2013, it's been less so. I think my parents have only met maybe one or two men that I've been with since in the past seven years. Um, and one of them was someone I was very serious, like planning to get married to. Uh, but yeah, I want to get into that in just a bit. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> trying to be shady, just so you know. It just but comes I naturally. Just, no, I just <laughs> find it. So I think that often what happens within the gay community is like we're really um, cautious about the guys that we bring home to like meet our parents, right? Like we, like we're we oftentimes tend to be like very like. I'm not going to introduce them until I know that this is like real serious. I would agree. I mean, it's because it's, we're so different because it's, I feel like it was easier for my sister to bring a man home because they were expecting her to bring a man home. Whereas they were expecting me to bring a woman home growing up. So when you bring a man into that situation as another man, you have to make sure this person is living up to their standards. Because if they're not, you're fucked to be honest like that's how you feel so i feel like you're which is awful for dating because you're now stuck being like you need to be perfect and if you're not perfect you're not meeting my parents right and we're done dating right and that puts a huge like like, shelf on dating life in the gay world which is and so when you said like i was bringing men i was like wait you brought more than one (laughs) like that's like super crazy to me because i just don't like i i brought one but <laughs> well, at least you brought the right one. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> I, I, I was never a shy person. If you ask anyone in my life, I was always open about what was going on. Well, more so after I came out. I, I hid that part about myself for a long But I was never afraid to do what I wanted to do. And so when I was in love with a guy, which was never, I just thought I was because I was young and stupid and exploring... I would like, I want my parents to meet this person because my parents are extremely important to me and my family is everything to me. So I wanted them to be happy with me. So I wasn't afraid to bring that person in and show them that, hey, you love me, you can love him too. Sure. When did you come out? Uh, uh, freshman year of college. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was right before my 19th birthday. So we're a decade out now. <laughs> there you go. And was, and I mean, I know you said that it was not super challenging and that you came like from a somewhat loving family and and that that was like very acceptable, but was there any like, I don't know, issues or, (laughs) I mean, ladies and gentlemen, do not come out to your mother on her birthday. Um, (laughs) 
that's step one. She cried, but not because she was upset that I was gay. She cried because she was worried about what I was going to have to go through right. um, as an openly gay man. And again, we grew up in a very Republican area of Wisconsin, Wisconsin in 2009. Yeah. Um, Scott Walker was our governor. People there. Well, they don't. We leave. <laughs> We're smart. Yeah. Sorry, Wisconsin gays. Run. Um, but it, so it was. It was hard, and my parents had to grieve a certain aspect of what they were expecting. They had to grieve the fact that I wasn't going to marry a woman. And that's okay. Let your parents grieve. They need to. Because they spent the past 19 years expecting something. And you didn't deliver on that. They will still love you, but let them have a grieving period. And that's something I wish I could go back and tell 18-year-old Kyle, is that they're going to need to grieve. And if that's what they need to do, let them fucking do it. Tony and I talk about it all the time that you got to give your family a little bit of grace in the situation. Cause yeah. again, to your point, they had 19 years worth of expectations, and <laughs> dreams and expectations. And you know, like this fantasy that they built in their head. And then with one revelation, you it's all gone ruin it all yeah <laughs> like you quote unquote ruin it it's all. like happily ever after went to fuck i'm screwed like yeah. and so you have to give them the ability to kind of to your point grieve that reality and know and understand that like it's just not what they thought it was going to be and, and they need to like readjust their expectations well, um, they, they like i always say how long did it take you to come to terms with it and you expect them to take significantly less time like you expect a couple minutes yeah that's yeah. not that's i mean good for you if it happens that's awesome but it's more likely not to happen um agreed you know, fully and yeah and you know to your point too like i know for me when i came out to my mom like it was about like the life that i would have to live and like you know yeah. because nowadays things are a little bit there's a little more information it's a little more open of a culture but like back then it was like being gay meant for a lot of people it meant being lonely and, and for all people, it meant death. You know, mm-hmm. everyone, you know, my education about HIV was so negative. It was like, if you're gay, you'll get HIV, you'll die. That's it. Thank you, Harvard, you in high school. That. I was like, just saying that on a recent episode that we, the episode that we had with Michelangelo, I was saying that, like, you guys got to remember that, like, being gay meant that you were going to get AIDS and die. Yeah. So, like, and, like, right. our family grew up in a time period where that's all they saw. That was, like, right. the they only just saw death. information. They just saw death. So... It was really challenging for me to, like, really bring, like, I didn't bring guys home because I didn't want them to think that I was just out here potentially catching AIDS. Like, yeah, you well, know what I'm saying? You, you didn't bring them home. I brought them home and did way worse. Sorry, Mark. You yeah. saw some awful things in my youth. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. Love you. And those, and those are, and that, like, happens, right? And so, for me, it was not because it's except, like, look, I'm not saying that it's okay, but I'm just saying that, like, we kind of just got to be a little bit realistic about the circumstances, yeah. right? Like right. this is what our, our but no one teaches us that when we're coming out, right. we are we are set in this mindset of I'm right, you're wrong. If you don't love me, something's messed up with you. And sure. when you get older and you remove yourself from it and you look back, that's when you realize, no, 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 no you were the fucked up one. Yeah. You were expecting something so grandiose of people who don't know how to process it. And if you spent 19, 20, 40 years figuring out who you are, you can't, as you said, you can't expect them to do it in five minutes. Mm-hmm. They need time. They need and time. I look back and I did not handle it as well as I'd like to have, but my parents handled it amazingly. My mm-hmm. dad wrote me a letter. That's how, that's exactly how Mark would handle things. He wrote me a letter and mailed it to me to my dorm and said, I love you. You're my son. You always will be. I need time to process this. I am, you know, he's very 
conservative, but you know, he loves me and he doesn't care that I'm gay. He just cares that I'm happy. Right. And at the time I was so angered by that letter. I'm like, what the hell? Why can't you just love me? And looking back, I'm like, that is the most amazing thing he could have done. Absolutely. He asked for, he asked for time and I expect my father to do nothing less than that. Like he, the letter was very much my father. Mm. My mom would have done it. I'd be like, really Linda? But my dad doing it was exactly how Mark is. I like that you call your parents by their first name. I do the same thing. <laughs> oh, I they I, hate it. I, I do <laughs> Don't it. all parents hate that? <laughs> no, I do it all the time. I refer to my parents by their first name consistently. And so I love that you did it. Oh no, I, I do it more for shade. Linda understands that. I don't know if my dad's got that yet. Cause I'm like, Linda, really? And she's like, come on. Like, I'm like you're just being special. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That makes me laugh. And her name being Linda is, makes it way more fun. Like, uh, Linda, listen. 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 <laughs> right? Listen, <laughs> right? Linda, Linda, listen. Which it took her a long time to learn what that was, <laughs> but I don't know if she still fully understands <laughs> what it is, but it's really fun to do with my sister and mother-in-law. <laughs> so into it. Um, it's funny that you say uh, the, accept- the acceptance situation, too, because I think that was kind of my situation with my siblings. Like, my sister was kind of like, meh, whatever. Like, I don't care. <laughs> My brother was kind of like, I'm going to need some time. And then it literally took like a week. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? And he was like, whoa, like you are, you know, like I am being an asshole. Like I'm completely fine. Like I love you. And that's the beginning and end of it. But um, yeah, you, you got to give grace. Grace yeah. is a huge. It's it's a hard thing to give. It's yeah. It takes a lot. It takes a strong person to be able to accept that. And I didn't accept it when I was 18. Yeah, I had to give it back and apologize to my family for how I handled things because I expected them to be here and I was here and yeah. I was expecting them to be higher than I am. And that's not OK. Yeah. And I found out later when I told my I told my sister first is that she cried. She was staying in my dorm room my freshman year of college. And I told her and she was like sleeping on I think either the couch or my roommate's bed. I can't remember where she slept. But she told me later on that she cried that night and she cried, too, because she had gay friends. She wasn't upset that I was gay. She, again, was worried that. I was going to be struggling with things and I would have a hard life. And she was scared for me. What's funny. I I mean, we can get into that, but what's funny about it is the hard life actually comes from inside the house. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? The calls are coming from inside the house. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy because uh, like, yeah, like don't get me wrong. Like being gay in society it is not, you know, uh, as I like to call them, unicorn farts. Like, it's not, like, super <laughs> easy. Like, it, and it's not, like, magical all the time. But we gays tend to have a... We are really good at going where we need to go so that we don't feel that, right? Like, we'll go yeah. to, like, New York City where we know that there is a gay community and, like, we are one of. And, yeah. and we don't have to worry about those things. Um, th- our real concerns or where the quote-unquote hard times come from is within our families like that is where we actually have a lot of issues telling the grandparents oh making sure that the cousins and the aunts and the uncles and shit know about all of that like, that is where that's where most of our anxiety comes from. that's like 95 percent of my anxiety was telling my family yeah mm-hmm. that's yeah. that's where it really comes from so i i can appreciate that she cried because she was like concerned about how you were going yeah. to be in life but, but also like, was their education like what we sure. were taught growing up in wisconsin was don't tell anyone don't open up about it you need to stay hidden as long as you can and it's not a bad or a good thing it's just what it was and uh, you know if anyone from wisconsin is listening don't listen to that bullshit do not listen to that 
be who you are. Be proud of who you are. And if your family doesn't accept you, guess what? You've got a family waiting for you somewhere else who will love you exactly who you are. So it sucks that your blood family doesn't accept you, but you've got a family who will love you no matter what. Well, I think that's what happened with my mom, um, because at first, and I've said this on the podcast many times before, but her comment to me was, I don't know that I can ever hang out with you and somebody that you call your boyfriend. That is what she said to me. Oh, hey, husband. (laughs) And I was like, cool. Like, I didn't really care. My parents know that I'm kind of like rebellious in terms of like, if you don't care, then like, fuck you kind of situation. Like, I'm going to do my own thing. But I think what really triggered her was that um tony's family was so open arm welcoming of me like like we i was like i'm not coming home for christmas because i'm spending christmas with my boyfriend's family and having a good time there and we stayed the night there and we had like a christmas scavenger hunt and they bought me like a shit ton of christmas gifts after knowing me for like a few months and they were so open arm oh welcoming of me my ovaries are aching this is amazing <laughs> they were so open arm. like family. his oh my god his aunts and uncles loved me cousins were like traveling to come and meet me like these things were like so amazing and so i think that like her it's a good family i think it's that amazing my mom saw like oh shit like now i gotta love this person other <laughs> people are accepting this and like kind of taking my son's like attention and so now i I and no mama likes that (laughs) right and i probably should give this a second look like (laughs) i should probably be a little bit more into the situation and the next thing you know she and tony like became friends like and everything was like completely fine with it and so it was really cool so i'm not saying that it's disingenuous right i'm not saying that she's not like authentic with the way that she feels about Tony, but I think that she got a little bit of a nudging from. The she needed her awakening. Yeah. She needed that moment to be re- realize, okay, I might be being a little judgmental about this situation sure. and I need to, and sometimes it takes someone to be slapped in the face by a reality to change their behavior. Yeah. It's and that's crazy. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. We all, I've, I've had that. I mean, you know, you know, I've had those moments in my life where I'm like, Oh, I had one, <laughs> I had one this morning. <laughs> I was wondering what it was like, oh, that's what life is? Okay. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, before, we, before we move on to what's going on now, I just want to go back for just a second and say that there's no right way to come out, um, you know, and it's good to come out when you're ready. Uh, but when you're ready, your brain's not fully developed. Um, so it's okay to not do it with grace yourself um, and to mess it up as long as you just, like, realize that the family bond will still be there if your family can accept you um, and that it's better to stumble and move forward than to sit still. Thank, thank you for that. Yes, I, I speak a big mind because I'm older. I've been through it. So mm. I'm the crazy person. I'm like, no, run, jump in the river. Who cares? <laughs> no. Don't listen to me. I'm crazy. No, no, no. <laughs> Everyone is right. Everyone yeah. is right. Um, so let's talk. You, so you've said a few things prior to, you know, putting microphones in front of your face and, and chatting on this podcast. You you were engaged. Yes, we like we were never. We, it's it's kind of a complicated situation. We had been professing our like to each other. We never really told our families what was going on. Uh, but we were living together. We were talking about adoption. We were planning a wedding and for lack of a better term, shit hit the fan and it wasn't working. And I think a lot of it had to do with me. Uh, I don't think I was ready. I wasn't emotionally stable enough and I wasn't able to commit to him the way that I should have been because I wasn't taking care of my mental health. 
Mental health is important. It's very important. It's super important. And I think that we forget that I, th- I mean, I'll be kind of frank and uh, in saying this, but I think that that is uh, like 98% of the shit that Tony and I deal with on a day-to-day basis is like, I don't know that the two of us have like completely cleaned out our own closets if you will to like be able to accept another person's clothes for you know what they are yeah you know to stretch out this metaphor a little bit more (laughs) um but yeah i think that that's what the problem i don't think that we've actually taken care of ourselves enough and And then we got into a relationship tony and i've been together for 10 years and congratulations on that i was 25 and he was 27 years old when we met one another we were babies children (laughs) we were children when we met one another so we damn sure weren't taking care of ourselves at that point in time you know so i and then here it is tony's you know almost what 38 and I think we like we're coming to the realization that like oh fuck we had a lot of shit to worry about yeah and and we're trying to like maintain this family that we've built with what you know and and we're together I mean I, I met your son so he's wonderful he's very very hairy <laughs> very hairy he gets that from me very hairy. <laughs> valid um, and so, and so uh, you know and so those things are hard so good. For I mean, kind of good for you, but not really good it's, for you. But like, I wish I would have learned it earlier. Yeah. You know, I should have listened to my mom way before I did. And I should have been in therapy well before I was. And so, you know, younger gays, you should understand it is okay to not be in a serious relationship when you're 23. Mm-hmm. If you are, think about what you're doing. Are you taking care of yourself before you're taking care mm-hmm. of them? It's something you should really focus on, and it's something I didn't focus on, and I'm glad I'm focusing on my mental health now. I think it's extremely important, because I was a complete mess. Yeah. I'm not... I'm still pretty messy now, but like, <laughs> like but I'm taking get some cleaning supplies. <laughs> Thank God for magic, cl- Mister Clean Eraser. Like, uh, there's a lot of things you need to hide, but <laughs> but you, you need to you need to have someone you can trust to speak to. And I relied on my mom a lot for that. And she is a social worker. She has a master's degree, but she's still my mom. Right. And that's not who you should rely on. No. You should lean on your family, mm-hmm. but you should not rely on them when it comes to your mental health. Mm. And I think it's very important that everyone, whether you're gay, straight, whatever you are. If you can afford to and you have health insurance or whatever your situation is, go see someone because you are paying them to listen to you. Why go to a bar and do that? They don't actually care about you. This person, you're paying them to just do just to listen to you and then be like, okay, maybe you should not do that thing. You know, they're there to help you. So it's really important. Biased. Yeah, they're, 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 why, they're not trying to sleep with you. Yeah. They're also not your parents without being right. like, okay, this is what I think you should do. Well, and they love also, you, Linda, but you do that a lot. And they also don't. They also don't think that you're perfect, and so they're always. Well, they know you're not, right? Right? Yeah, exactly. And you know, the training helps too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I was very lucky growing up with a with a mother who was trained in that, and so when I had my emotional times, she was there to listen to me and help me through and healthily process what was going on with me. And then, as an adult, I had to learn you need to have someone else. Mm. You are not an adult; it's your turn to find that person, and it can't be your parents. Right. So. I recommend it for everyone. I know not. I know not everyone can afford it. I know not everyone has access to it. But if you do, use it. It's there to help you. Yeah, and it's extremely important. Had I learned that earlier, maybe I would be married to the man I was with. Mm. Maybe I don't know. Maybe there was other things going on that I didn't address. But 
It's, one of, the, it's one of those things that weighs on my mind still, and I think it affects my dating process now. So like, let's what talk if about that then? Like, what is going on with dating right now? What are you experiencing? Um, how are the gay? I'm so <laughs> fascinated by, especially dating in New York as a gay. Oh my god, it's like, a hot ass mess. It, I'm sure <laughs> it looks that way. So. I mean, I recently had a date where a waitress, and God bless you. I don't know where you are, but I'm not going to say the restaurant either. But this guy was so awful. I went to the bathroom. Went to the bathroom to give my car to the waitress. Like I need to get out of here without him seeing me. And she and she said, "Oh no, honey, no, no, you are not paying for this." The manager was aware of how rude and obnoxious he was being. That they snuck me out the back and made him pay for it. Because I'm just like, and I I left her a cash tip, and I'm like, I cannot. Like he's not going to tip you. So I left her like twenty bucks. I'm like, you need to be tipped because he was just. I'm, Gays, be better. Be better. That was not an okay date. I love this, though. This I just found, really quickly, it's, <laughs> I love that you stories. said that, but apparently there is a uh, community of bars inside of this, like, college town in Florida. Oh, Lord. That has created this, um, this quote-unquote menu that if you feel like you are, like, on a bad date or anything like that. You can like order that, something. Like, you, can, you can order this drink at a bar and you can like ask for certain things. And if you feel like you are being assaulted or if you feel like you're being unsafe or like the police need to be called or something like that, you can literally say, I want, I I don't know what the drink is, but I want like a mezcal and ginger ale with lime (laughs) and they know to call the police. police, Yeah. Yeah, Which is wonderful. It's sad that we have to do that though. Like be better people, whether you're gay or straight, be better. Like, would you want someone treating you that way? And if you say yes, you need therapy more than I do. Like, (laughs) so, um, but otherwise, you know, dating has been fun. I've met um, uh, several wonderful people. One we mentioned, you know, today, Michelangelo, he was wonderful. We had a great date. I was all kinds of fucked up at that time. I was not ready to date. And when you meet a good person, you become their friend. Mm. And that's what I'm kind of running into a lot is like, we do, we have a great first date, but you bitches are impatient. Like, I'm like, (laughs) sorry that I'm a busy professional man. I'm like, I've I've got a job. I've got things I have to do. I'm going to meetings with producers. Like I professional Kyle (laughs) (laughs) in my job. I am (laughs) sorry about the rest of my life, (laughs) but it's, they're like, like, Oh, well you took too long for a second date. I'm like, I took, I I took too long. Mm. If you want someone who is well to do professional, ish and like (laughs) doing well for themselves and taking care of themselves they're gonna be busy and if that's what you want and you want them to be on time good luck if you find him send him my number because that doesn't exist we are busy we got shit to do we got bills to pay i like (laughs) we are we are busy people like i think you know i like sit back and think about our schedules on a consistent basis i'm like we are the worst friends. Oh like, God. we are terrible friends because we just don't have enough. There are not enough hours in the day to be able right. to pay the attention that uh, these friendships, these relationships require. We don't even have enough hours in the day to pay attention to each other. And we live in the same house. <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Oh, my God. You're black? Yeah. <laughs> He says that all the time. <laughs> that was just on the top of my head. That was not planned, ladies and gentlemen. So those things, like, so to expect for other people to uh, be able to give you the same dating time and all that is it, just insane. 
it, I'm, it's just not normal. I mean, I've been seeing someone like kind of on and off for a, almost two years now, but like it's been more on lately and we're trying to figure out where things are going to go. But he's busy. I'm busy. And we respect that about each other. It's like, maybe I don't text you for a few days cause I got shit going on. And same thing happens for him. Like we'll text each other when we can. And he's okay with that. I hope. If you're listening, <laughs> I hope you're okay with that. I vote that you and Michelangelo try again because I think he's adorable. He's wonderful. I think he's a very attractive man. He, we have a lot in common. I just think that we should focus on our friendship first sure. uh, and see if that can build. Mm. I think he's wonderful. I love his dog. Oh my god, that dog. Yeah, uh, Petey, if you're listening, <laughs> I love Is it. Is that what the kids are calling it these yeah. days? <laughs> oh, I said Petey, not Peter. <laughs> No, I, um, he's, we were so, uh, enamored by him. Like, I just think that he's so, he's a wonderful person, wonderful person. He is, he's a lot to give the world. And I just think that we're better off as friends for now. If, if a relationship happens, that's great, but that's not what I'm focusing with, focusing with us. I think Mm -hmm. that we are going to build a great friendship. Mm -hmm. So let me ask another question because I'm curious, I've been able to successfully maneuver this, but I don't know that the gays these days are capable of doing this. (laughs) These days, like I'm uh, significantly younger. (laughs) I mean, it's... I'm 12. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a psycho. (laughs) No, but you... So the gay friendships are are gay friends sleeping with one another or are they completely capable of being just friends I think, I mean, in my experience, I've got gay friends that I've had sexual encounters with, but I haven't in a long time. Like, we're, we're friends. If, if, the way I would like to put it is, I'm friends with a lot of straight men. Those are my closest friends. I've got a friend that I call my straight boyfriend. Hey, Evan. Um, <laughs> and if I'm able to have a friendship with him without any sexual tension, why can't I have that with my gay friends? Like, also, I tend to be friends with a lot of bottoms because you know two bottoms don't make a top <laughs> we can find one but <laughs> it's really hard to bump uglies when two uglies are bumping with no insertion so it's i mean i think you can but it's all about who you are and how mature you're able to handle the situation and i make a lot of jokes about it clearly but you need to be mature about your friendships with your gay friends because if you're attracted to them tell them i think you're hot you're or you're really handsome don't be, afraid, don't be afraid to kiss them on the lips, but know where the line is. And if you are afraid you're going to cross the line, say so. Yeah. Tell them because maybe they will want to cross it with you or they're going to say, mm, thank you for telling me I need to pull back a bit. You know, have an wow. open adult relationship. Yeah. I, without fucking. It's, yeah, right. <laughs> Good I, luck. No, it's, just, it's very <laughs> fast. I mean, because I've always been able to maintain French, gay friendships. So, like, my best friend, Dwayne, like, we met... Because our friend was like, oh, I know another gay person, and I think that you guys should, like... Who hasn't heard that? I'm like, yeah. just because we're gay doesn't mean we're going to be attracted. Every now and then we are. But <laughs> I, I did it a guy for a while, because both of us were like, you're not going to be attracted. Like, like, just because we're gay? I'm like, oh, no, no, we gay. No, like, we're going to be gay together. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, and now he's married to another one of my friends. Yeah. <laughs> no, but those, and, so he, and then we were like, we're definitely not going to be boyfriends, but we can totally be girlfriends. Like, oh, it was like... Sisters like, before misters, baby. Yeah. And so it was like, <laughs> really fun but um i've been able to maintain like really great gay friendships but it seems like the gays these days have all inserted one another at one point in time or another there's been a lot of insertion and, um and it's so uh fascinating to me just because that's just never been my experience it's and, a different culture 
Yeah, and I just, uh, so I'm fascinated at the fact that, like, uh, friendship, quote-unquote friendships. It's like FWBs. Like, yeah, they're I, friends, but every now and then they get drunk, or they're on some kind of drug, and they're like, let's have fun. I'm like, okay. I think that's so fascinating. Uh, if it works for you, that's great. It doesn't work for me. Like, yeah. I've got my, my friend, Rhett. I will not say his nickname on the air because I might offend people. <laughs> um, love him. He's in Key West right now. He's the one that got me into my job. I met him on Fire Island, and we just became really close. And, you know, I think he's a very attractive man, but we've never had that sexual tension. We've always just been very close and very loving and always been there for each other. Like, you can have that with another gay oh, man. That's nice. You need to have. I think every gay needs to have, like... And it's one of those things we always say sisters before misters because yeah. I will have your back always. If some guy hurts you, I'm there. I'm and there. <laughs> and if you hurt him, I will beat the hell out of you. Well, yeah. not literally, but I'll be like, bitch, really? Come on. You need yeah. to be better. Like, we're, we're not afraid to slap each other in the face when it's needed. And we're always there to hug each other because that's more needed. I love that. I And like I, like I said, I'm super fascinated by that because, again, I... and. I'm so far removed from like the gay dating scene these days. Girl, you're lucky. <laughs> you are lucky. I'm so far removed from it, but I find it super fascinating that um that like I said from what I hear, like the gays are like, "No, we like yeah, I've totally have like slept with him, but like we're totally not interested in being like a couple." And I'm like, "Wait, that like that's a thing?" It's definitely a thing. But you you don't like you didn't sleep around before either. So, like, it doesn't really make oh, sense to you, period. Yeah, that definitely is a difference. Because I yeah. was... Do not be me, ladies and gentlemen. I was a I was a great a-whore. Like, that was... I'm, if you had a pulse and a penis, I was ready to go. But... <laughs> I love that. Um, no, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I hope my mom doesn't listen to this. Don't tell Linda, Linda, don't listen. <laughs> no, I've definitely... Uh, I, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I've had my fun with people and i've been out there like i've been in these streets as they like to say (laughs) in Um, the streets but i also was just not i I don't i don't know my physicality does not um i've just never been all (laughs) willy-nilly pun intended in terms of that (laughs) and this is unwilly yeah right (laughs) so much to unpack i've just never been the person (laughs) that's like oh i'm so horny that i don't care about any of my uh (laughs) anything else other than getting off. Like, that's just yeah. never been my thing. You're you're lucky to have that. When I was in my early 20s, I was not like that. I was willing to... Again, like I said, if you had a dick and a pulse, I was good to go. Which is not something I'm proud of now. Because now I don't... I don't... I can't disconnect sex from connection. Like, if you... I don't have a connection to you, I can't sleep with you. It's just not... Mm-hmm. I'm not having fun. Gay sex is not always the most comfortable thing to be involved in. Mm-hmm. So, it's... If I'm going to let you inside of me... I need to have a connection with you. I need to trust you. I need to have some kind of caring about you. And if I don't have that, <laughs> no entry. And that is, <laughs> and that's how I've always been. Like while jealous of that. Don't don't get me wrong. Like I I'm not gonna sit here and say that I haven't had like a one night stand or I haven't had like my fun. Any gay who says they've like, never had a one night stand liar lie somebody (laughs) and so like those things have happened but i also have like now if you had a tongue back in my 20 like i was making out with everybody women everyone if you had a tongue i was like hey i everywhere (laughs) all over the place 
Um, but but I would be like, cool, that was fun. Thanks. Good night. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thanks. Bye, though. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Yeah, um, that was like no. the end of it, but I just... I, w- I wish I was like that in my early 20s in college. Well, if it was a woman that was making out with her, like, it was fun, because I like to kiss. Yeah. And if you're a good kisser, practice yeah. as much as you can. Practice makes perfect, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm, oh, I think my girlfriends from college are listening to this, like, you all know. You know. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, it was a it, which, which is hard now as a monogamous person, like someone who wants to have that monogamy. It's really a challenge to look back at my past and what I was like. Because will someone be okay with that? Hopefully, because it was the past. But some guys aren't okay with it. I like and so, those, it, and and those aren't the guys for you. I, they are, I which is true. I mean, if, if you are that kind of man, live your best life. I'm not here to judge you, but everyone has a past, and you should be aware of that. You have a past, just because yours has less condoms involved than mine does doesn't mean it doesn't mean it's any better like yeah. so no and i think that i i mean because i've never been a judger of that type of stuff like it's like whatever personally i've never been a judge of that like those types of things are just stupid like why would you judge somebody because they like went about it a different yeah, way yeah everyone has their own path either but yeah, I, I hate know. to do it but we're out of time oh, yeah. oh no I, know it went, I told you it, it, it does go fast <laughs> So, and I don't so, want to end it because this is fun. It is such a good <laughs> conversation. Kyle, thank you so much for being here. Thank tell you for us, having me. Tell us where, uh, tell our listeners where they can find you or reach out to you or well, if you're interested, talk you or potentially <laughs> tongue you down. <laughs> I mean, all are welcome. Um, you can find me on Instagram at KyleMNYC. That's first name, last initial, and then New York City. Um, you do have to request to follow me. I keep it private for a reason. Um, otherwise, if I, <laughs> I try to be, don't go viral on social media. Um, <laughs> but you know, if anyone's interested in becoming an actor in New York city, uh, look up Sylvia Faye casting in New York and you are welcome to, ha- we'll help you out and can create a free profile and we'll help you get paid work as an actor. I love oh, it. maybe I should do that. Yeah, it's Perhaps. free to do so. I think I should be an actor. There will be uh, contact information in the show notes uh, for anyone who's interested in pursuing that. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Super fascinating. Thank you for the laughs. <laughs> At least I'm funny. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> and Michelangelo, if you're listening to this, <laughs> oh my God. I really think that you guys should like make Fetch happen. Oh, God. Fetch is not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Stop trying to make Fetch happen. Um, I love it. Uh, Your hoops. <laughs> We're going to take a short break, but we'll be back in just a bit. Hello, listeners. As you may have heard, Tony and I have a weekly after show on IGTV called Relationship. <laughs> Get it? Relationship? Relationship? Oh what? <laughs> Nothing. Keep going. Okay. Every week, Marco and I will talk about the podcast topic, the things we learned, and the way to use it in our relationship day-to-day. Yep, our goal is to put a face to the topics and our message, as well as give you some extra relationship content and guidance. So make sure you're following us on Instagram. We are at podrelationship. And tune in every Wednesday. After you've listened to the episode. (laughs) Yes, on IGTV for our weekly after show, Relationship. Comment, like it, tell your friends. All support is greatly appreciated. We look forward to having you see us there. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 
So that's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in and being a part of this super important conversation. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pod Relationship. And don't forget to subscribe and rate us and tell everyone in your cult to do the same. <laughs> a cult. <laughs> That's funny. If you have any situations or comments that you'd like us to address on the show, you can email us at relationshipquestions at gmail.com. Or you can submit on our website, podrelationship.com. And don't forget to check out our YouTube and IGTV channels, Relationship, for a behind-the-scenes post-show conversation about this week's episode. A special thank you to our Patreon members. We hope you enjoyed the early access to the episode and behind-the-scenes interview with this week's guest. Tony and I will harass your ears next week. And remember to give a shit every day.